Everybody. Welcome to an all-new and very exciting episode of We Need to Talk. I'm Corinne. And I'm Matt. And we have a couple exciting topics for you this week. But first, how was your week, Matt? How was your last two weeks, I mean? Fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. Great last couple weeks. Huh. So great. I, I had a lot of trouble deciding what I was going to talk about. I had a lot of options. Okay. We, uh, of course... It hasn't been all great. Well, no, of course not. But... Um, we could have talked about the Grammys. That was the first thing that happened in the uh-huh. last two weeks. Then, of course, there was that thing, the Super Bowl. Yeah, we were going to talk about that. We had all confidence that we were going to be talking about that, but we're we're not talking about yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> uh, we could talk about happier Boston sports things, like yeah. tonight's uh, Paul Pierce number retirement. Yeah, we just finished watching that, and I'm, I'm speechless <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really nice and it was a good reminder of the good times we've had as as boston sports fans because we really are so lucky even though we have the occasional hiccup as of last week's super bowl and yeah. stuff like that like we've seen a lot of great stuff yeah we really needed this paul pierce night yeah yeah and i think the younger celtics who just got blown out by the Cavs need needed that paul pierce night too to maybe say we need to step it up i was happy to see a couple of them go down to the court to to see Paul yep. after the ceremony. Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, to name them. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they'll be uh, following in his footsteps. A little motivation for them. Exactly. Uh, another sports thing going on right now, the Olympics. Yep, that just started. Yeah. So haven't really been paying too much attention to, to the Olympics yet, so it wouldn't really make much sense to talk about it this time, but maybe next time. Maybe next time. Yeah. And then, uh, for me, another possible topic was Skyrim. I purchased Skyrim within the last couple of weeks, and yep. that's taken up a, a fair amount of my time. Mm-hmm. It's a great game, but uh, it's been around since, like, 2011, so I don't think there's anything I could add to a review that hasn't already been said. Right. Yeah. So, what did you choose to talk about? Well, um, yesterday we saw another movie. In our last episode, we... Um, talked about a mo- movie, Three b- Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, that we had just seen. And yesterday, we saw another movie, so I chose to talk about that. Excellent. <laughs> I think that's a great choice. Um, so the movie is Phantom Thread, and should I should I get into it? Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay. Now, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this one. Okay. So throughout the whole movie, you know, my opinion kept varying. First, like, half hour, maybe even hour i don't even i don't know but the first good chunk of the movie i said you know i don't really like this movie i don't think this is doing anything for me and then something changed it picked up and i said did you say the first i'm sorry did you say the first half hour yeah yeah i I would guess it would be around then i was probably with you and i I was just not liking it and then um something changed i'm not sure what picked up i guess and i said wow you know what this is actually good i'm actually enjoying this and then I was like, eh, I don't know, going back and forth. And then at one point I was like, wow, you know what? This movie has everything that I love. Like it has 
you know, all the, the symbolism and these, like, darker themes that I like, and it's just so, like, literary and, like, rich, and I was like, this should be one of my favorite movies of all time, but it's just not. Mm-hmm. And that that was my initial feeling. Thinking about it more a day later, well, I'll get it. I'll, I'll talk about it a little. I'll talk about what I like and dislike, and then we can give our final thoughts on how we feel with the movie. Sure. Um... So the movie is... It's not for everyone. I would say Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson aren't for everyone, even though it's probably, like, my favorite combo in film, and I know you would agree with that, right? Yes. Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite living director. Daniel Day-Lewis is my all-time favorite actor. Okay. Um, And I think to some people they might come off as a little pretentious. I could say this movie definitely comes off as kind of pretentious. Um, but so what it's, what it's about basically is, um, Daniel Day-Lewis plays Reynolds Woodcock and his sister, Leslie Manville, plays his sister Cyril. Cyril? Cyril? Cyril. Cyril? Cereal? <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. I forget now. <laughs> um, and so basically the two of them are sort of stars of fashion, I guess, in 1950s post-war England. And the story kind of follows their peculiar lives together and also the sort of their relationship with various women that come in and out of their life and live in their house and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, one woman the story follows, and that's Alma. Alma? Oh, Alma. <laughs> Alma. <laughs> Played by Vicky Creeps? 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 <laughs> Creeps? Creeps? We're really struggling with these names today. I don't know how you pronounce her name. <laughs> okay. Um, and so Alma comes into their lives, and we sort of see the relationship unfold between um, her and Reynolds, which mm-hmm. is either really toxic or perfectly symbiotic. I haven't really decided yet. I think it's it's both. Yeah, for sure. Because um, she kind of, she has the ability to ground him. He's very high strung. She can kind of ground him and slow him down, which he definitely needs. And I think she likes taking on that role. But the way they function and treat each other is just kind of strange and disturbing. And you see that progress as, you, as the movie goes on. Yes. Um, and so what I liked about this movie is Daniel Day-Lewis's character. He's, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is like the best actor of all time. He can play any character convincingly. And this character in particular is very, very strange, sort of anal and meticulous to an exorbitant degree. But he was kind of just very intriguing in creating this role, and I think everything about this character was entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Even though he's not necessarily a likable character, but he kind of almost makes you like him because he's convincing and just showing his peculiarities. And I, that's, I would agree. That's how I felt about the first role that I saw Daniel Day-Lewis in, which was uh, Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood, my favorite movie okay. of all time. And uh, that was a character he had so much charisma on screen, but he was he was basically a villain. Yeah, um, that's true. But he he played it so perfectly, and I feel like he played a more subtle version of the same character in this. Yeah, I guess so. Because it's like you would you would hate this person in real life. You couldn't be around right. them and Absolutely. be sane at the same time. But like watching it on screen, it was kind of uncanny. Right. Um, another thing I really liked about this movie was the overall sound not even necessarily the music or the soundtrack um 
but they really kind of played with sounds in a way to amplify his peculiarities like at the kitchen table and just sort of like you you hear the smallest sounds and it kind of shows you what it's like to be inside his extremely like anal brain but that's not to to uh you know throw the the music oh yeah oh no i thought the music in the film was amazing yeah it was the score was done by johnny greenwood of radiohead of course who's been doing like every score for paul thomas anderson since there will be blood and i think he's one of the best composers for film that we have right now uh the music that he put in this was so perfectly like elegant and went perfectly with with the film Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was also kind of like haunting at times yeah using a lot of piano the the piano itself sounded like sort of like claude debussy type piano Mm -hmm. who did claire de lune okay uh it was just this melodic, slow, peaceful sort of music, and it, and it fit the the imagery so perfectly. Okay. Another thing I really enjoyed were the sort of elements of comedy that were thrown in there. They were sort of subtle, but I think they were necessary to lighten up such a stiff movie and stiff characters. They were unexpected. Yeah, that is true. And it w- it wasn't comedy like to the characters. They were just being themselves and still being uptight but it came off as funny to the person Mm -hmm. watching yep um and there was also just foreshadowing all over the place which i love and i you know can't really talk about it without giving away important key plot lines but i thought this the foreshadowing was great and just other literary devices and symbolism throughout the whole thing like i think it would make an excellent book which is what i really like about it yeah um now I'm going to get to a couple of things I didn't like. So it, w- it was slow at times. Like I said, during the beginning, it just kind of felt slow and very awkward, which I think the awkwardness was intentional. Um, but I also didn't really empathize with the characters. I didn't okay. really grow to like any of them or feel invested in what was going to happen to them. Because um, they were all kind of flawed and not very likable. I would agree, but do you have to? No. Yeah, so that's something, that's, that's not a big thing, but... I mean, I think back to No Country for Old Men, I didn't really love any of the characters in that, except for maybe Llewellyn's wife uh, in the film, and I still have an attachment to that film. I think it's a fantastic film. Yeah, but I think that one more plays a little more into, like, good versus evil, whereas this doesn't really have any is not pushing you strongly in any direction. There wasn't a lot of good in No Country for That's Old Men. That's true. Maybe Tommy Lee Jones's character, but other than that, there's a lot of bad people. Yeah. Even, even Llewellyn, who is like the main, the, the protagonist, mm-hmm. he did end up stealing money. So, yeah. So, I mean, he did something bad. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I, I find it kind of similar to that. That makes sense. Um, another thing, I didn't really understand the characters a lot. Like, I couldn't read them very well, and at times I had trouble, um, like, I couldn't process their emotions or their motives, and I think that is specifically the character Alma. Like, I didn't really understand her, and, like, her role, and, not her role, but, like, what she really wanted, and what her desires were, and why she reacted to things certain ways. Okay. And I think um, a lot of their interactions throughout all the characters and their reactions to certain situations just felt unrealistic to me and, like, out of place a little bit. Like, I was just kind of confused. I don't know. Like, it just... Some of the dialogue seemed unrealistic. I'm like, normal people would not react in this way. I 
would agree to an extent, mm-hmm. but it was 1950s London, and there is that sense of elegance mm-hmm. and order. Yeah. Um, Hoity-toityness. Yeah. <laughs> There's just this expectation. Yeah. And it's driven from... Mr. Woodcock, Reynolds Woodcock mm-hmm. himself. Well, and plus they're very anal characters. Very, I right. need to stop using the word anal. It's the only word I'm coming up with. <laughs> uh, he is very... Uh, he's a perfectionist, and it shows in his art of sewing, and it probably, you know, it comes mm-hmm. from that, and ev- so everything in his life is like that. So I guess we can't really relate to characters like that. I, yeah, I, th- I think it's unrelatable, not really unrealistic. Okay. Well, because I think of this... I was thinking of specifically the scene in which she goes out to dance... And then he follows her to this dance hall mm-hmm. and, like, finds her on the floor and, like, they just stare at each other for, like, 30 seconds and walk off. Like, I don't understand what either of them were feeling in that moment. Like, I didn't really, like, understand that scene. There were a lot of moments like that. And I don't know if that was when intentional. They first, when they first met, the moment was like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't know if they liked each other. Mm-hmm. If they didn't like each other. Like, it, I, it was just hard to understand the relationship between the two of them. Because a lot of the movie was done so subtly that the dialogue was almost driven by their nonverbals. Mm-hmm. The looks on their faces, the the slight twitches, things like that. It was more driven by that than the dialogue itself. Because mm-hmm. the dialogue itself was also sterile yeah. and, they, uh, and proper. Not always. No, of course <laughs> not. But it was, it, it, he, he tried to give the, the mirage of being this proper person. Yeah. And she wanted to please him, so she was giving that same mirage. Yeah, even though it wasn't her, and you saw that in many moments. Right. She broke free a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, before before I go on and give like my final opinion, final score rating of the movie, do you, what did you like and dislike about the movie? I will say the first half hour, I was very bored. I was sitting there like... Uh, I'm not. I'm not liking this. Yeah, and Which, I was disappointed because I wanted to like it. It's Daniel Day Lewis's yeah. last movie before retiring. Supposedly, hopefully not. I know. I he. I hope he comes back. He needs to. Yeah, but I'll be honest. I was going in fully expecting to not like this film. Me too. Um, and I don't know why because like Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, it's like ninety or above on both of those. But you haven't heard a lot of right. Because we claim. we were deciding for our last movie between Phantom Thread and Three Billboards. Mm-hmm. Three Billboards was ranked lower. Yep. Um, so and I felt like it was being inflated for some reason because just the previews, the trailer, it it seemed very uptight and and proper. But it was also about fashion, and that's all right. we kind of knew about it. And we're like, eh. But it's about so much more than that when you dive in. Yeah. So. Paul Thomas Anderson, just to give a quick rundown, he was responsible for Punch Drunk Love, which I think was the best film Adam Sandler's ever done. Oh, yeah. His best acting. Uh, Boogie Nights, which... Between Boogie Nights and his his other film, Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson really defined the type of actors he wants to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy he went in that direction because it's led to some of his later work, which has been fantastic, like There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. which has been Daniel Day-Lewis's best acting performance, I think. Yeah. And then The Master, which I think was the best performance from both Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then his last film was Inherent Vice, which... Did we see that? Yes. 
See, I don't even remember it, so it couldn't have been great. I, I did not like that film what at all. What was it about? Uh, it was based on the Thomas Pynchon novel of the same name. It had um, Joaquin Phoenix and Josh Brolin, and, um, and it was kind of like a crime drama. It had Catherine Waterston in it. Remember, she had that very uncomfortable, like, 10-minute scene, topless, talking on the couch with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Set in L.A., maybe in, like, the yes. 70s or 80s. It's just a very uncomfortable, yeah. claustrophobic film. And it, it was an adapted, adapted screenplay, of course, because mm-hmm. it was based on a novel. And this was Paul Thomas Anderson's return to creative writing in his own original screenplay. So I didn't know really what to expect, but based on the last movie, I thought maybe he's going in a bad direction. Mm-hmm. And seeing those trailers really supported that. Yeah. Uh, then the first half hour was so slow and then I realized when it picked up it was when he met Alma and I think it was done that way on purpose yeah because his life at that point was slow and monotonous and sterile and plain and dull boring he met Alma and you saw that sort of spark in his eyes while he was sitting in the diner where she was a waitress it definitely picked up a little at that point, but not fully. And I feel... I don't even remember the time before he met Alma. I feel like it was only, like, ten minutes. No. It so, was a while. So, clearly, I don't remember, like, that's how dull it was. I don't remember what happened before he met Alma. I know there was that, like, other woman sitting at the table. It just sort of showed the the monotony of his life and, and bringing people in and, and dressing them and yeah. all of the girls that he has, his seamstresses that are working for him and... And the silence of it all. The, oh, yeah. There's no conversations being had. And then it was Cyril who suggested he go into the country, which I think is where his house is. He never goes home. He's always at work. Oh. Uh, yeah, because he went to that house and there was a dog there. Remember? That no. was That must have been his dog he, that he introduced to Alma. What kind of dog was it? Why don't I, I, I remember don't the rem- dog? I don't remember. I don't remember. But No, uh, he went. He met Alma because he, he was going to like a fitting. He was bringing a dress to someone. And then he stopped for lunch after. Like, he was bringing that fancy dress. I don't know. Anyhow. I don't think so. No, he was. I even read it in the plot summary when I was looking through it again. Okay. Well, he goes to the country and meets Alma, mm-hmm. and then everything sort of becomes exciting for him again. He gets exciting this spark. He becomes this charming... He, he, you see this charming side of him. Yeah. And the movie really picked up at that point. And then I realized that beginning half hour was dull and boring for a reason. Who were trying to be put into his his emotional mind state. Yeah. And he was with another girl before Alma. And yeah. it, it was rubbing off on him, this this silence and sort of dread. But then he... Maybe that's... Maybe you're wrong to something. Maybe that's the whole reason why the movie felt good and then not good and then good and then not good. Because exactly. there was a point in the movie where he was kind of getting sick of Alma. And maybe it slowed down at that point, too. I, I think the film was very much driven by his excitement and disdain for Alma at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like and the cycles and, uh, that y- they go y- through. It put you through his emotions without really screaming at you that they're putting you through his emotions. Because they definitely had a very cyclical relationship. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe that's why the movie felt... So when I realized that looking back, I thought this film is kind of brilliant. Yeah, maybe. And I want to watch it so many times oh, to I pick up on the symbolism and the themes that I missed. That's it's one of those movies I really want to rewatch like yeah. several times cuz I know there's a lot to it. Yeah. Anything else um likes or dislikes did you 
<laughs> it was completely not what I was expecting. I was thinking dull and boring the whole time, and it ended up being very exciting and sickening <laughs> at points. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Especially like, at the ending. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's beautiful. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just is weird. I know, yeah. Um, Want to give our final scores and explain them? Mm-hmm. I'm very hesitant to give my final score. I'm often hesitant to give my final score on things that I know my mind will sort of change on. Yeah. And I know this might be low-balling it for where it's going to go for me. Okay. I have it at an 8.3. Wow. What? Is that high? I have it as, at an 8.4. Okay. I had it at a 7.9 yesterday when we left the theater. Yeah. And then I thought about it, and it grew on me more and more when I started thinking about these things, like how it may have been dull and boring at the beginning for a reason. Yeah. And then it raised to an 8.4 for me. And so... I think last week we gave three billboards in like the low nine point nine region. Nine, yeah, nine point three, nine point six. Yeah, but nine point six was too high, I think, for me. I would, okay. I would say it was probably more around like nine point three. I think and we we uh, talked about that the day we saw it, right? Yeah, so we were we still were hyped pretty up high on it. it. Um, Although I think my score. Is and I, good. I remember I told you this even during it. I said favorite movie of the year, just like throwing it out in conversation, and that's not at all true, even. The Last Jedi I definitely preferred. Um, and we kind of talked about this sort of theme of movies, like, sticking with you. And how, like, in the long run, uh, we said we don't know if it'll stick with us as much, even though we loved it in the moment. Right. Um, and this movie, I feel like, is really going to stick with me. Like, Three Billboards might have... Um, you know, I gave it a better initial score, but I think Phantom Thread will definitely stick with me. I think I want to add it to our Blu-ray collection, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I will grow to love it over time as I keep rewatching it. I think so. So I think Paul Thomas Anderson is back on track, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to see what he does next. And I hope he brings Adam Sandler back. <laughs> I want to see something with Adam Sandler and Paul Thomas Anderson I want to see more Jill Day Lewis, even though he's... <laughs> well, that's that's ideal. I can't believe that was their only two collabs. Like, they could have done so much if they just stuck together. I know. Yeah, but the there were two movies that Daniel Day-Lewis did without Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson after There Will Be Blood. There was nine or nine and a half or something, which mm. I didn't see. That was another, he was another fashion guy, I think, in that. Oh, really? It was like, sort of like a retelling of uh, Fellini's Eight and a Half, which I mentioned recently on the podcast, mm. the Asanisi Masa. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the other film that he did Lincoln. was Lincoln. So um, I don't, I don't regret him doing that. No. He was born to play Lincoln. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. But I do also want to just add the the movie's not for everybody, because it is so slow and and you really have to be paying attention to to pick up on things. Mm-hmm. But um, it's the, not just easy watching. No, no, not at all. Um, the relationship in the movie, the the pacing of the relationship I compare to the English patient the relationship in the English patient which is very slow and and dull and drawn out like this mm-hmm. um, and then the actual way the relationship works out I compare sort of like Blue Valentine okay you root for them at points and then at points you say you two need to just break up I have another comparison, but I will tell you later because I don't. It's a it's a bold comparison, and it might like. No, do it. No, Sorry. it might like, give things away. 
we'll say it and we'll delete it if we need to. Gone Girl? Okay, no. I think that's fine. Not not obviously to the, the murderous extent, but... <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, Sharp Objects in a way, <laughs> even. I don't remember. I'd have to reread it. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't remember. There's a big, huge theme in it. I trust you. Like a cycle... Okay, never mind. All right. Yeah. No, I think it's okay to say that. And Sharp I, objects may have been pushing it to say it, but okay. I don't, well, I don't know. <laughs> I think I have said all I need to say on the topic. Yeah, How about you? Me too. Well, excellent. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about something extremely and exciting. And I'm going to explain the sharp objects thing to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> During yeah, our break. You do that. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about something very, very exciting. Uh, Corinne. Yeah. Who's the last rapper that you grew to love? Um. I was thinking Chance about, the Rapper? I was thinking about that earlier. Chance the Rapper is the one I came up with. Mm-hmm. And we've been listening to him for years. Yep. Yeah. Why has rap been so stale? We're getting older. I think that's part of it. And we listen, we we consume so much music that rap is really hard to get into because the, there's more words in rap than any other yeah. form of music and it's harder to pick up on I it. used to be so into rap yeah. when I was younger and now I'm very picky about the rap I like. Yeah. Well, one group is definitely getting me back into rap. Oh, yeah. And I cannot wait to talk about it. So we'll take our quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back, and the group that we're going to be talking about is none other than Brockhampton. Brockhampton. Yeah. How do they get their name? Did you? Uh, did <laughs> I you have that? no idea. It's like a one single man's name. What? It just sounds like Bro- like that sounds like a man's name. Oh, a first and last name. It sounds like it's just a one artist. Yeah, I know that. So Brockhampton, I had seen this name here and there, like f- festival lineups and. Uh, I pay a lot of attention to this uh, YouTube channel, The Needle Drop, where oh, Anthony are you, are Fantana gonna, does reviews. You I'm going to talk about it. You going to explain how you uh, discovered him? Yes, <laughs> I am, actually. So, I had seen the name Brockhampton so much lately, um, but the type of rap that's been coming out lately is, like, mumble rap stuff I cannot get so into. So you just assumed it was bad? Basically. I assumed it was like bad. Like I do with any rapper that I hear the name, like who Meek Mill, whoever that is, like Future, like all these people. I don't know, can't name any songs that they've done, but yes. I just know they're all bad. I assumed Brockhampton was this one guy who's doing some young thug type mumble rap, and I said, I'm not interested. <laughs> we sound so old. I know. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to this. And then, um, so Anthony Fantano, he's the guy behind the needle drop, he recently posted a video on Instagram of him at a Brockhampton concert. And uh, Brockhampton actually uses his name in one of their lyrics. They say, head was clean, Tony Fantano, uh, which is a play on words because he has a bald head Mm -hmm. and his head shines nice and clean. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he posted a video with them singing that lyric but you cannot hear it. The video yeah, it sounds terrible. The video is awful. I so I decided that. I'm just going to troll some people here who love Brockhampton. So I said, in quotes, music. 
mm-hmm. and I got <laughs> I got <laughs> obliterated. <laughs> yeah. People started coming after me like crazy for uh-huh. a couple days. I didn't even show you all the comments, but <laughs> a couple days worth <laughs> until I was like, I've had enough, and I just deleted all the comments. Um, but I was at work, and I said, all right. I have some time. I'm on my lunch break. I'm going to listen to this group because people are so intense about it. Um, Got some diehards there. Ride or dies, defending them. The first song I listened to was Boogie. And holy cow. I I think I started dancing right there. (laughs) (laughs) You texted me, oh, so I listened to that uh, Brockhampton group and they're pretty good. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Boogie, Boogie. That beat is is contagious. It's something like a Danny Brown beat. Yeah. Uh, And the rap on it... I think it, like every member raps on that track and they have like quick four bars or something and it shows like the personality of each member and I was like wow these guys have some personality and then the next song I listened to was Face and it's a slowed down song with one of the members singing in a falsetto mm-hmm. and it sounds like I don't alt J or something and I was <laughs> like what what is this and then they start rapping in it and they're deep raps and I was like these guys are on to something so I checked it out more when I got home listened to some more songs and I realized they're fantastic yeah um and then they really remember remind me of uh my days back in 2011 <laughs> when I was uh oh, I falling for a major rap group at the time which was Odd Future yeah which uh, mostly sucks oh Come on. <laughs> I like I like Tyler and Frank and Earl, but like the rest of them have don't really have talent. I saw an odd future show the first time they came to Boston and it was one of the craziest concerts I've ever been I'm to. Sure it was. Still one of my best concert experiences. Uh, I went to an odd future show, remember y- that? Yes you did. <laughs> that was nowhere near as good. Oh I but, well, we were in like the mezzanine for it, so <laughs> But I was one of the original people that started listening to Odd Future following them when there was only like a few thousand people following them and uh who came out of odd future if you don't know the name odd future well tyler the creator mm-hmm. very big name he was like kind of a head head man yeah. of it yeah the creative director basically mm-hmm. uh earl sweatshirt huge rapper mm-hmm. uh and frank ocean he's probably made the biggest name for himself of course yeah um and then there's some some side people that were friends with the people in, in, in Odd Future but weren't actually in Odd Future, which mm-hmm. are Casey Veggies, who's made a pretty good name for himself, and Vince Staples, who's gotten very big. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Brockhampton's going to be bigger. I think they're better. I think they're better, too. I think they're very similar to Odd Future, but they all have a lot of talent. Like, there's not they're not messing around as much as Odd Future was and, like, purposely making bad songs. Like, everything they make sounds good. Yeah. They're in the middle of a meteoric rise right now, and um, if you do get a chance to give them a listen and you're from the area that we are, they are playing Boston Calling this year in May. They're playing on Saturday. Tyler, the creator, happens to be playing the same day. <sighs> I want to go that day. I, I kind of want to go. We'll see. I think it's like a hundred bucks we'll see yeah um anyways so brockhampton is a group of musicians and they creative call themselves a boy band yeah <laughs> musicians and creative minds they formed in san marcos texas back in 2015 uh-huh. although they really formed back in 2010 they were originally under the name alive since forever um and they met on the Kanye West fan site Kanye to the, 
Okay. Um, and there were three original members in Alive Since Forever, uh, which were Kevin Abstract. He's like the Tyler, the creator of the group. Is he the one that like, screams? No, he's the one that sounds like Childish Gambino. He's the one that wants to date Harry Styles? Yes. Okay. Um, my, my favorite. Amir Van was one of the originals. Mm-hmm. And Dom McLennan was one of the originals. I'll get more into the members a little bit later, but just the history for now. Um, they formed in 2010, Alive Since Forever. Uh, and then they put out their free debut Brockhampton mixtape when they decided to change their name and change their whole persona. Uh, they put this out in on March 24th of 2016. In 2017, they released a trilogy, three albums, Saturation, Saturation 2, and Saturation 3. They released in May, August, and December of last year. So they really saturated the last half of the year, huh? <laughs> yep. All, 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 <laughs> we'll settle that one out. <laughs> all, no, we'll keep it. All three of those albums are about 15 songs long and 50 minutes long, so they weren't half-assing it either. Yeah. They, they put out serious projects, and each one gained more and more positive reviews from fans and critics alike. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a film, a feature-length film, uh, that they've been working on to accompany the Saturation Trilogy. Hmm. I don't know if that's ever going to see the light of day, but that would be interesting. And they've also been working with Viceland, which is a station that we found a few months ago. Oh, we yeah. never really tuned back in, but no. it's a really cool station with like documentaries and stuff and miniseries where they go undercover. Is it like is it um related to Vice magazine? It's yeah, like the same it is, okay. I think. Um but they they're working on a miniseries with Viceland called American Boy Band, of course. <laughs> um and it's just filming their creation process cuz cool when they became Brockhampton, they moved to California. They were based originally out of Texas. They moved to California where they could all be together and they live in a place, I think they call the Brockhampton factory or something. It's just this big factory building that like warehouse that they all live in together, hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, so the members, Kevin Abstract, I mentioned he's the founder. He's a rapper slash singer. Sounds a lot like Childish Gambino. Uh, a lot of his lyrics, he talks about he opens up a lot about his homosexuality and his mother's homophobia which is an interesting dynamic Mm -hmm. um then there's amir van who's one of my favorites uh see the one that screams no he is the rapper that you compare to tyler the creator i compare to del the funky homo sapien Mm -hmm. he's got that deep gritty voice Mm. uh he sort of does gangster rap Mm-hmm. A lot of this this brash, hard-nosed lyricism, mm-hmm. uh, but he's fantastic. Uh, then there's Don McLennan. Um, he's a Connecticut native, New England. Uh, he's probably the most technically proficient member of the group. He sounds sort of like a slowed-down twister, but he's uh, faster than everybody else in the group with his raps. Yeah, I don't know which one he is. He has fantastic wordplay. Um, then there's Merlin Wood, who's belligerent and wild and the closest to like the mumble rap scene that there is today. He's he's out of control and completely unpredictable. He's kind of like a J-Rock or a Joey Badass, where he can just go from one moment 
rapping in a, like a deep voice and then he'll be screaming all of a sudden oh so he's the he's one. not the one okay. <laughs> all right you let me know when you get there <laughs> i'll let you know uh then there's matt champion he's very deep and topical uh every single time they're in an interview it's brought up that uh on the song junkie he has a verse where he talks about rape culture and now i'm yeah. doing it again but uh it just shows that they're not rapping about you know money and girls and cars they're rapping about important stuff yeah yeah and i I mean that verse isn't the only one that whole song very opposite of odd future in that way (laughs) well not nowadays because tyler is getting very serious especially on on flower boy right but i think in their time they they said a lot of homophobic lyrics even if they weren't being serious about them yeah whereas brockhampton's probably taking it seriously to send out a good message rather than goofing off absolutely um I'm going to skip over one. <laughs> then there's Bareface, who's a singer and guitar player. I compare him kind of to Post Malone's acoustic grungy side. Post Malone does, like, Nirvana covers at his shows sometimes. I've never really listened to Post Malone. But he, I guess he raps, but everything yeah. I've seen from him is acoustic guitar playing with grunge covers. Yeah, I've always been confused about him. Because yeah. I haven't... I've just heard, heard different things. I don't know. But that's what uh, Bareface does. Um, and then the the bright and shining star, in my opinion, of the group mm-hmm. is Russell Joba Boring. His last name's Boring. Wow. And he is anything but. <laughs> he... You had that one in your back pocket, didn't you? I yeah. did. He <laughs> is, I think, going to... If, if he chooses to go solo, he will be very successful. Mm-hmm. One moment, he will sound like Eminem. Another moment, he will be screaming grunge like Kurt Cobain. Another moment, he will sound like uh, Tyler from uh, 21 Pilots, like this very poppy type rap that mm. kids are going to love. Mm-hmm. Um, he cannot be pegged. Uh, and I think his sound is completely new. It's like incomparable. I know I just compared it to a few different yeah. things, but his sound overall is completely incomparable. So did you just name all of them? I did. Well, there's also a lot of creative people. There's yeah. people that they that they still call part of Brockhampton. The people that, you know, do the the videography for them and taking pictures, graphic designers that design their their sweatshirts and t-shirts, oh, okay. which by the way, their web store completely sold out. Can't buy anything on there. So it was And kind there's of, a lot of stuff. So it was kind of like Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, is that what it was? Is that his name? Ryan Lewis? What's yeah, his Ryan, name? Ryan Lewis. Like his producer, he did nothing, but he's like, yeah, I don't want his name there. Well, he probably said, I want my name there too. So they include them in the group? Producers do a lot. Well, I know, <laughs> I know, but like nobody else names their producer as part of the group. Though. Yeah. So is it well, like that sort of way where they're accrediting? Like, mm-hmm. Okay. So you you mentioned the one that sounded like Tyler Creator. These are the ones I had written down that I wanted to say. You mentioned that it sounded like Childish Gambino. Who's the one that I think sounds like Kid Cudi? Kid Cudi. I've said it a couple times. That's Matt Champion. Okay. He's the one that had the lyrics about uh, rape culture in okay. the song Junkie. Yeah. Okay. He's fantastic. What Which, I really by the like... way, Matt Champion, Joba, and Bareface, they're all white. Mm-hmm. So this is an integrated group. One of them's gay. One of them's gay. At least one. A couple yeah, others have gay-sounding lyrics. Okay. Not to sound homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, in your, in your face, like, yeah. they could be bi for all I know. I don't yeah. know. Um, 
but they they have that openness and acceptance mm-hmm. among them, which Odd Future had as well. They had homophobic lyrics, but I think it was done playfully, a lot like how Eminem used to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Odd Future is homophobic at all. No. But uh, Brockhampton is proving that they're not homophobic. Yeah. And I think that's an important message to send right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, in bringing that up, that was, like, basically... I haven't... I don't think I've listened to them as much as you have yet. Obviously, I haven't done as much research as you've done. But the one thing that, like, stood out to me about this group that I love about it is I think it's sort of a kind of a collab group of just these artists that sound like rappers I already love. Yeah. Like, you know, Tower the Creator, Childish Gambino, Kid Cudi, Mm -hmm. whoever else. Um, And they sound a lot like them in some parts. Where, like, it almost sounds like they're copying them, which would usually drive me nuts, like, seeing somebody, like, a poser, like, trying to be someone else, but it doesn't bother me, because I think they're doing it so well, and I don't know if they're copying them as much as they just have that same sound, or maybe just influence from listening to them, but it's not one of those things where I think, like, oh, he's trying to be Tyler, the creator, like, I think they, I don't know, they do it well. I think it's just influence. I don't think it's them copying at all. Because right. rap is, is done through influence almost almost solely. Because that, that's the reason I'm not listening to rap right now. Because mumble rap is the scene and everybody's yeah. doing it. And I don't really think they're trying to copy each other. It's no. just that they're influenced by one another. But and I'm just saying I think that would normally like bother me a little. Say, like, you're not childish Gambino. Like, let him do his thing. But it's not bothering me because I think they're what they're doing sounds good yeah well when you think about it they formed back in 2010 and you know they were working minimally on things until they started to gain in popularity in 2015 Mm -hmm. which was during the rise of odd future so i think they were influenced by odd future in a way back then yeah uh they're just now becoming famous and now people might call them odd future copycats but i don't think that's really the case Yeah. Even if they are. I think they're better. So I think everybody should check them out. Even if you're not into rap, there are a few songs that you might be interested in. I think Face is one that, even if you don't like rap, you might like it. It's a lot like Stan from Eminem, where people who didn't like rap liked the song Stan. Mm -hmm. Um, So the song Face, the song Boogie, if that doesn't make you dance, I don't know what will. <laughs> uh, junkie. Coming from the guy who never dances, so yeah. that's saying a lot. Junkie for the deep lyrics. Gummy for uh, an interesting song that the video is really good, sort of about them doing a robbery. Uh, and then Star is an interesting song where they use wordplay to name drop different actors in movies and things like that so it's an entertaining song to listen to those are some of my favorites okay okay anything else you want to add about brockhampton no i think that pretty much covers it i hope we get to see them yeah not if if not at boston calling at some point yeah that'd be fun that'd be a good lupos show i think yeah just like the the strand oh the strand (laughs) come back lupos Uh, i'm gonna miss you I still, Lupos. I have always gotten emails from Lupos, and I still get emails from, like, The Strand, and every time I see it, I'm like, what the heck is The Strand? I didn't sign up for this. Like, I'm not unsubscribed. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Lupos. <laughs> well, 
this has been our shortest episode yet, and uh, I feel like we've done more talking than ever. Yeah, I think we're I think we're nailing it down. We condensed it, it pretty well. We're yeah, Let's we have trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we, I think we have trouble fitting. We don't even go like some other podcasts go off on so many tangents and still pack in so much information in such a short time. And I don't know how, but I think we're uh, finally starting to load more useful information into last right. time. I think we did it this time. Okay. All right. Let's keep improving. <laughs> on that. Let's hope so. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us, send us any any mail, any ideas, suggestions, feedback, so forth. You can email us at we need to talk pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> or you can tweet to us, message us on Twitter at Matt and Corinne. That's correct. All right. Um, and that's it, right? You should subscribe. You should. And you should rate also us? rate us. And you should only rate us a five, which, by the way, we are rated a five right now. We are. So if you don't rate us a five, we'll know. Oh, yeah. We'll know. Yeah, we'll know. And write us a nice review. Yeah, do that I want, too. I want to know what you think. I can see, I can see, not who is listening, but the number of people that are listening. So I know you're out there. Yeah. So, uh, so do that stuff because yeah. I know you're there. And this might not be the the shortest episode anymore, huh? No, it still is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep it that way. We'll see you in two weeks, guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody.